Welcome to series three of Life Sci AI, the podcast series, hosted by Nick Mahoney, consultant at SciPro. I hope you enjoy. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Life Sci AI, the podcast series. And in this episode, um, we are really, really excited to be joined by the guys from Paris, uh, guys from Gleamer. And know a lot of you will know Gleamer as a medical imaging company, uh, started based in Paris around radiology. And we're joined by Albania Grajon. And she is the commercial side of the business. I, I, I think in the commercial and the regulatory side of the business, um, formerly of GE. Um, so she's going to come on and she's going to tell all about Gleamer and the story of, uh, of what they're doing and looking forward to uh, doing in, in the coming years. But thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Welcome. Thanks a lot. You've, you've had quite a, well, you've not been in startups long, right? That's like the interesting thing um, here. So, so give the listeners um, and people watching as well um, on video um, a little bit about yourself and how you arrived at being in a medical imaging startup in Paris. <laughs> sure. Um, so I'm an engineer, you know, that's my academic background. I never really had, you know, engineering, pure engineering roles, but I started as um, a clinical and technical expert in CT scans already in medical imaging with GE. That's really where I started my career. And it's true that, yeah, going into a huge multinational company, I had the ability to move pretty much every two, three years to different roles because you have, you know, you have that uh, path available in, in huge companies. So I was able to take on uh, marketing, commercial, um, sales transformation, consulting responsibilities uh, throughout uh, uh, Europe, Russia, and uh, and North Africa. Uh, and that really, you know, allowed me to build my, my experience. But at some point, I felt that, you know, I, I was a little bit constrained. Um, so... Um, uh, so I wanted, you know, to try a different type of environment and a, and a fast-paced uh, startup company to understand, you know, what it's like to build something pretty much from scratch. So I uh, I joined Gleamer at an interesting uh, uh, time because they had just um, closed a, a new fundraising round after their Series A. So they were really in that, you know, expansion phase from being a very, you know, early startup. So just to give you some numbers, mm. I joined early 2021, and we were, I think. 18 people in the company yeah uh, right now we're 45 so pretty much a year later so it gives you an idea of you know pace <laughs> that <laughs> we we follow and again to give you an idea on the more you know commercial side we had our solutions deployed in france basically which is of course our historical markets and we are now in 14 countries so we have you know commercially opened 14 countries including the us because by uh, by march this year we had our uh, first FDA clearance, you know, from a medical device perspective, that's quite an achievement. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in one year, I saw really, a, a, you know, an entire business being built. Uh, we internationalized the company, we expanded our roles across all these different countries. So it's been, it's been quite exciting. And that's what I was really looking for, you know, to really build something from scratch and have that level of freedom and autonomy to make your own decisions. And, you know, don't have any safety nets so you really measure your direct impacts and and your mistakes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hope not too many mistakes um but gleamer itself um quite a you have quite a like, like a big aim right to be like not like a 
technically focused in one area, medical imaging. It's all around radiology. So you've got your first product, brain, uh, bone view, sorry, right, for looking at, at, at fractures. Um, tell us a little bit about that product and the impacts it's making right now on the market. So that's interesting. Boneview was um, created really based on the observation that, um, so of course, you know, radiologist resources are scarce. We all know the tension on healthcare systems, on medical resources, but also on, on time and productivity issues. So Boneview was really um, designed to answer, I would say, two questions. One is the number of diagnostic errors that still happen in the emergency rooms. And fracture is actually represents actually up to 80% of these, so it's it's really massive. And to uh, answer as well the productivity issue in reading that huge amount of X-rays that are produced by hospitals and and imaging centers. Um, so the system detects fractures and really you know scans through uh, uh, X-ray images and points out fractures to uh, to the doctors, so they can confirm the the diagnosis and be much quicker in uh, interpreting the images. And it's funny because no one was specifically asking for a tool like this. So it's really by observing carefully radiologist workflow and being really surrounded by radiologists that we, we came up with, uh, with that idea. And, and actually now people are completely addicted to it um, because it's, you know, it's relieving them from one of the most tedious tasks, which is, you know, screening pixel by pixel an image and, and multiple images and piles of x-rays throughout the, the day. Uh, so, it's, it's really acting as a safety net for them and, um, and securing diagnosis and, and speeding up their, uh, um, their interpretations. Um, so now we, you know, whenever we need to, uh, you know, stop the service for, for whatever reason, people are coming crying for us to put the service back on because they cannot <laughs> live without it anymore, which is scary, but it's, it's, it's great because it means we've really built something that's very mainstream, that's answering everybody's issue and, and that basically is very sticky meaning that our customers are going to you know, keep subscribing because they're, again, they, they really cannot leave without it anymore. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I guess when, the, when people talk about having a, a solution in either AI or software or a data solution within medtech, sometimes there isn't a problem. They've got a solution, but they're trying to find a problem to, to fit that solution and that's why some some companies are awesome researchers aren't successful because they can't find the problem for their solution to solve so how did gleamer go about divvying up or deciding which you know problem the solution that they had could could solve or was it they find the problem first and they figured out the solution so i guess it's a little bit in between, but it's again really by observing radiologist workflow. So the founders, so one of the founder is an MSK radiologist. So I guess that you know <laughs> gives yeah. a solution by itself. And the two others, so our CEO is a serial entrepreneur in healthcare specifically. It's you know is his third company in healthcare. So he has really that deep understanding of doctors' workflow and physicians' workflow, and, and that culture in you know observing. Um, uh, patient pathways to, to understand what are the challenges. So that's how basically they came up with the idea that we, they needed to come up with a solution that um, yeah, removes 
the most tedious uh, tasks and the most repetitive tasks, really the ones that are annoying to, to every radiologist. And, and by that, you come very quickly in the field of x-ray because that represents a huge volume of, um, uh, of imaging procedures. Uh, and no one's really interested in x-ray anymore. Radiologists uh, are much more excited by CT, MR, or you know, other 3D imaging. Yeah. Uh, because of course they bring you know a much larger variety of, of information and in, in complex situations yeah i see okay and so devising the the, the the solution then how did gleamer go about it what was first did i think <laughs> Um, so it, I mean, for sure, it it requires multiple, you know, combination of, of a lot of skills and, and people. I guess first was the uh, R and D on AI models. So really, the question was: so now that we know we want to solve the issue of you know fracture diagnosis, uh, with I mean, they, they had that idea with AI because the the third co-founder is an AI engineer, so no surprise. But um, they they needed to find the, the models, and just like many AI companies, the the source models are coming from open source uh, algorithms that are pretty much on the shelf, but that are adapted to completely different uh, problems. Uh, most of them are coming from the you know autonomous car uh, problematic, right? So detecting yeah. with uh, cameras, detecting. Uh, uh, people on the street, detecting a truck, knowing when to stop, thing, uh, you know, things like this. Uh, so here, the first thing is to adapt these models into uh, the question that we wanted to be answered. And here for us, it's detecting very, very subtle findings in huge images, because in medical imaging, the size and resolution of images is is multiplied by hundreds compared to, uh, uh, you know, camera images, for example. Yeah. So, so that's that's a lot of R and D work in order to adapt to, to the question you want answered and to and to do experiments, and to develop a framework to automatize this, these these experiments and make them efficient because otherwise you you can spend a, a lifetime in developing and, and adapting AI models actually. Wow. So, when was there the point of traction? When did they not the eureka moment, but like. When when was that in the history of Gleamer when someone got picked up or it, it happened to you know get commercial traction or was in place and stuff? Well, there's actually there are actually a few milestones you need to reach to, to to get there, even to get traction. So then I mean you need to demonstrate performances, you need to clear your algorithm, you know, from a regulatory perspective. So again, a lot of uh, uh, skill sets to, to bring around the table and you get traction once you have a solution that really performs extremely well for the whole variety of clinical situations that, that physicians can encounter. So that means that on our side, we had to go through multiple rounds of training of that algorithm to make sure that it, it applies and it generalizes across different manufacturers, different practices, you know, different image qualities, different clinical situations, and to make it, you know, applicable and relevant in the most, uh, you know, the, the largest number of, of studies. Um, so we got, yeah, we, we had tractions pretty much, traction pretty much right after our CE marking. Once we were able to have an algorithm that is so cleared and commercializable that uh, had passed uh, performance testing and one very important step in, in medical devices that had uh, one first publication in a high impact factor journal. And we put a lot of effort on clinical validation studies 
to you know drive that adoption because we need to drive trust and that's one of the major you know issues with ai people are are still a bit um skeptical about it and about you know using it and its benefits so it's it's really about showing on trials the type of uh, performance improvement that you can get uh, using uh, using ai and that's that um, that's a major milestone that drive that drove a lot of adoption once we had that paper released in uh, radiology which is the highest uh, level of journal in our in our field yeah i want to touch touch on like trust in ai and, and uptake in, in ai in a second but um Delving into startup versus big big corporation, um, there'll be people listening to this who are just startup people and have never worked in like a GE or a Siemens or a Philips. And there are some people that are maybe thinking about the transition or or are looking at Gleamer potentially as well, who are coming from bigger businesses. What would you say you've what would you say the biggest differences are on a, on a positive way as well? <laughs> <laughs> well, probably yeah, I'll touch on both, you know, so I mean, on the positive side, for sure, it's, um, you know, freedom, autonomy, and the ability to do various and multiple things at once, because there's no, let's say, job description that, you know, we can stick on as, you know, in, in large, in large companies, meaning that, you know, you enter in a, a marketing role, you're going to right away have almost, you know, a 360 degree marketing role instead of being on digital marketing only, on being on, I don't know, communication or on yeah. marketing, you know. So the roles we have are much broader than what you can find and that are, you know, really segmented in, in big companies. Uh, so it's, it's very exciting. It can be uh, overwhelming also because you also need to make decisions and prioritize much more than what you, you know, I could feel in, in larger companies where you have some projects these are pretty much, you know, scoped for, for what you can do in your job description and you, you can deliver on those. Um, so definitely on the plus side is that, you know, transverse uh, approach and that autonomy, but also, yeah, the, the need to prioritize because you could go anywhere and there's so much to do uh, that uh, you, yeah, usually you could, uh, you could get uh, 10 people to, to do a and to work on your topics um so so that's yeah that's definitely what's really exciting and i think uh, really enriching from a career perspective and then uh, you know coming out of these experiences you can really value and, and demonstrate your ability to adapt to understand challenges focus your attention to what's going to matter most um and for sure yeah in in larger companies uh it's um maybe more security but i would say in larger companies, you have also the drawback in having to manage a lot of stakeholders and to understand, you know, how to navigate in complex, well, and GE is one uh, matrix organizations. Yeah. Um, things are simpler in, in startups, so communication streams are simpler, but they're also completely disorganized. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it can feel a little bit like chaos, and that's, you know, also your, uh, you know, internal discipline into putting all these uh, all these streams or all these processes a little bit together and uh, and start you know building up uh, bricks of something that's uh, that's going to scale uh, at uh, at a later point. Okay, and how do you think your experience at GE has allowed you to be successful at Gleamer? There's multiple things. I mean, definitely. I mean, I had several roles in medical imaging in the medical imaging space already. So I have definitely, you know, some recognition in terms of expertise. Yeah. 
uh, I've been, yeah, with GE, I've, I was lucky enough to have, uh, you know, very international roles. So marketing and commercial responsibilities across Europe, Russia, North Africa, and to work a lot, of course, in the US. So it gives me a very broad understanding of the markets, of customer profiles, of, you know, entry barriers in, in the different countries and things like this. So that's definitely something that helps me in, in my daily life. Um, I guess, yeah, um, going into yeah, various experiences also helps me, you know, navigate through that, you know, multiplicity of projects and, uh, yeah. and, and topics that, uh, that I'm now navigating into. Uh, and I, I think that's what allowed me to really expand a lot my scope here at Gleamer. So I got on board early 2021 to start the marketing function and yeah. to start the clinical affairs function. So both verticals of the companies were not existing before I, I got there. Uh, which is great because you really get to you know build for teams from scratch and and give you know a, a direction to a, to where we want to go, uh, and now I have expanded my scope to product and to the uh, U.S. Uh, the U.S. Uh, business side of the company. So again, giving that's that's really giving me a three hundred and sixty understanding of of the company, of its challenges, and now uh, the ability to to support our our CEO into. Uh, the next fundraising rounds and into really driving the the next uh, five year of the of the company. All right, awesome, awesome. I think I was going to say it seems like because you had so many different roles at GE, you weren't sort of in in one business unit or in you know, one one team for so long. You kind of had almost that parachute mentality coming in, making an impact, getting some great experience, and then moving and and developing in that way. So you kind of got like the, I guess the chaos almost as best you could in GE but let's say now you're used to it right um which is which is awesome and it's it's I think your your prime example of of somebody who's gone into a to a, a startup and, and you know grasped the opportunity with both hands and and has really progressed through um and it, it's awesome to see the impact that you're now having in the company going next funding rounds and looking at the American expansion and, and such. It's just fantastic. So a great advocate for people making the jump. <laughs> yeah, Honestly, I couldn't, yeah, I could only advise people to, to do that. It's, it's so much, uh, so much fun and, and so much learnings. And uh, yeah, I think it, it keeps uh, really that, that pace and, uh, and yeah, make, make sure that you don't, you know, get bored or, uh, or find, you know, new challenges. And that's, you know, the beauty. So at GE, I felt that I had to change roles every two, three years to, you know, not get bored. In yeah. a startup company, it's a little bit different because again, I mean, the role that I, I mean, I still, I'm still pretty much in the same functions, but the the job that I had a year ago has nothing to do with what I'm doing today. So I'm hoping yeah. that I won't get, you know, <laughs> that uh, that same feeling and, and look into a, a next opportunity in a year or so. <laughs> No, they definitely, I think, yeah, like I say, it's a great advocate for, for what a successful jump looks like. Um, but just going back to the product and um, back to what you guys are looking to do um, in the future. So you're not just obviously going to stay in around sort of fractures. What is the next sort of product? If you can mention it, I don't know how much you can say, <laughs> but what sort of areas are you looking at? 
Um, yeah, yeah, we've already expanded actually our, our catalog. So, I mean, for sure, we built our credibility in MSK imaging, so in musculoskeletal and in the field of you know trauma, trauma X-ray, yeah. and it's great because we're really being recognized as a, a major actor in that space, and we've really built a, a strong expertise and a deep expertise. Uh, we've already, I mean, but we don't want to be you know labeled with a clinical subspecialty because we feel that AI has uh, something to bring in that same you know uh, lesion detection paradigm uh, to, to multiple uh, um, subspecialties so we have already um, expanded bone view to other types of findings inclu including bone lesions which have nothing to do with trauma x-ray but are answering a, a more uh, you know cancer follow-up approach and we've we've um, released uh, earlier this year a chest x-ray product so completely different clinical yeah, space yeah. Um, still in the field of x-ray so we're of course leveraging uh, our know-how but again we had to um, hire uh, thoracic imaging experts and that's really our philosophy so each and every of our products has a medical expert attached to it uh, for the entire product development cycle um, so that medical expert is really the owner of the the scope the clinical scope the outcomes and the, uh, the the lifetime of the product. So we have now a thoracic imaging experts in the team. And I think that's also one, one thing that changed a lot from what I knew at GE. We are employing radiologists really uh, on our you know day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and they are working with us in the same office. We, you know, we they're really included in our teams. So that gives us really that understanding, very deep understanding of um, of how they work and uh, you know how how we want our products to be to be designed. Oh, that's fascinating. I wasn't, um, obviously people have like advisors and, and such for, you know, what would, what would work, what doesn't work and, and, and such. But normally that was also the clinical and the medical piece would normally come from a founder of some sort as well. Because um, normally it's a doctor who's found a problem in, internally and they've gone, <laughs> let's get some smart people uh, together and do something with AI. Um, so with those medical experts then are they like are they like product owners or are they the medical expert for this how do they sit so they sit there all the way through the development process but is it like all like complete cradle to grave are they sitting with the software engineers one day and sitting with the ai engineers another and then going out to to some like product management stuff as well like yeah, so I mean, we work in squads, and each product is um, so is rep represented uh, by by a squad, and in that squad you have that medical expert uh, that is really um, uh, focusing on uh, on uh, I mean, on making sure the product is, is relevant and really answering the the need that we've identified, uh, and he's he's really participates in the squad meeting, meaning that so in, the, in that squad, you're going to have an AI engineer, data managers, software development uh, engineers, and, um, uh, and of course, support from, you know, uh, different yeah. functions like uh, uh, quality and regulatory. But so really, I mean, he is involved in the very early phase of product design, all the way to uh, making sure that all the iterations and development are going fine, and that we're meeting the performance criteria that we uh, uh, identified with him earlier on and that of course uh, the, the product is uh, is bringing satisfaction to our customers on the market so he stays and he's employed by the company through i mean all that uh, all that time 
and he's of course working with marketing to train the sales team in the, the medical language and that's that particular clinical subspecialty so they can be fluent in uh, in discussing it with doctors uh they yeah they train the customer success they will get involved to um, to ramp up our data management team to make sure that we can manipulate the particular type of data that is required for that clinical indication so they're really involved in everything and and they bring i think and that's kind of uniqueness. And basically what we did is replicate what really worked well with Boneview because we had, you know, yeah. our co-founder was an MSK radiologist, but we replicated that model for, for all the other products. So each and every product or even sub-product has a, has a medical expert attached to it. Right. Awesome. And do you think that that gives credibility? So does that medical expert help gain trust in the use of AI in that clinical area? I Yeah, absolutely. So I think even before that, it brings a lot of motivation for the teams because they can discuss with this guy all the time through the different product phases and they can really understand what it means, what it's going to do and what are the outcomes that, uh, that we're going to drive with it. So I think first it, it really drives motivation for all of us actually to be working in our day-to-day life with, with doctors who are you know, part-time for Gleamer and part-time in their institutions in most of the time piloting the, the solution in, in its earlier stages. So that's very exciting. And I think they drive definitely the trust because well, we can display that these products have been designed directly with the end users. And they help us drive, I mean, and design as well, the clinical validation studies. So they will let us know what type of evidence we need to generate to make sure that their peers will adopt the solution faster than just, you know, giving it away and, uh, and have, it, uh, have it tried on, you know. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the gatekeeper can poacher uh, type, right? And having that person, that stakeholder champion advocate yeah. on side early on, that's, that's such a... I guess an innovative way of looking at it. I don't know too many people that are, you know, partnering um, per subsect of yeah. product. Like there will be people obviously partner with the same clinical area, but to have one per product per subsect is is really fascinating. Where do you see the trust of AI now, though? Because we were chatting just before off offline about it. So we did one uh, in series uh, one with with Idance, um, with their chief business officer. Um, Urian, and we discussed like the uptake and how you create a business case and what's important for AI. So, kind of be good to have a, an idea of how you see it now, um, as it as it stands in summer of twenty twenty two, where we are with the uptake and trust of AI in in uh, healthcare. I think. Well, I'll I'll probably speak mostly about radiology, but I think yeah. definitely the. I mean, we've passed that, you know, awareness phase that we were at, you know, pretty much when we started in 2020, we had to convince people that AI was not dangerous, that it was not going to replace radiologists and doctors, and that uh, it was safe for patients, that it was generalizable to uh, different situations and so on. I think we we're almost, you know, we're finishing this phase <laughs> and uh, and more into, uh, and now we see, I mean, companies are popping up uh, pretty much every day in, in with AI solutions in the space. And um, we're more now into uh, advocating for the right AI solution to answer a, a, tip, a specific problem and the return on investment. And so we're really today challenged on how do we justify the cost of our solution because we don't have reimbursements, but how institutions, hospitals will pay for the solution. And I think that shows that we're kind of past 
that you know initial phase of you know skepticism if i can call it that <laughs> and and we're really now into people are looking into um I mean, really down to earth ways to to pay for it and and implement it in clinical practice. That I think that's that's true for very mainstream indications such as such as fracture detection, which I, yeah. I really feel is now a use case that is commonly adopted. I mean, it's commonly known that AI can be better than humans in, in detecting fractures. It's probably not the case for other indicate for all indications. Yeah. But I think yeah, that's where we at with a, with a, a software like Boneview. So. There's no need for us anymore to educate the market on why they need that type of tool. Uh, we need to help them uh, justify that cost and justify to, to invest in, and implement that, that solution. Uh, and, uh, and that's, yeah, that's, I think, pretty much the challenges we're looking at for, for the next couple of years. So we're at that sort of reimbursement phase then. Yeah. Across. Okay. How do you see us achieving um, I guess the next step and overcoming those challenges and convincing that there is a there is an investment to come back yep. from investing in, in, in the initial cost. Well, it we're probably and and but it really depends on health on healthcare systems. But it it may be difficult at least in our space to to go at, at least for each and every solution to a reimbursement. Um, however, if we can demonstrates uh, almost an immediate ROI for healthcare institutions, like in, in Fracture, it flies pretty well that by using our software, they do less, fewer mistakes. So they, they will basically detect fractures earlier on, they will do additional CTs and MRs, and basically they will generate uh, enough revenue to cover um, for, for the solution itself. Yeah. Um, and we can show that in multiple ways. We reduce the number of litigations uh, based for fracture for for missed fractures. We uh, reduce reading time for radiologists so they can spend that time reading other uh, high revenue cases. So we are able now to have equations and, and you know apply that to each and every customer and show how they're going to pay for for that solution. We still need probably more grounded evidence with prospective trials with you know. Uh, very large-scale studies in order to convince payers like insurance companies and yeah. public health care systems in order to go really to the next level. That's going to take some time, so we cannot base, you know, our full business model on that for sure. Uh, and in, it's, it's yeah, very risky and, and unexpected in, in timing. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I think the, the, first of the, the key I think we're looking at is demonstrating that ROI for each and every solution that we're going to develop to make sure that it's easy for healthcare institutions to, to pay for, for our solutions. And that's, yeah, that's how we, I think we're gonna scale quickly and quicker than, you know, waiting for a reimbursement scheme. <laughs> no, for sure. I think the, when um, I was getting some analysis um, uh, uh, last year on the market, I think Q3 last year was one of the biggest in terms of investment into European med tech and digital health companies. Um, like it's in terms of like quarterly, I think it was bigger than most of 2020 combined <laughs> for obvious reasons. But are you, because now you're looking at, you know, supporting in the fundraisers for, for, for Glima, are investors and VCs, are they more, um, are they, they more, happy i guess are they are they looking at the runway and they're looking at the return of investment now are they comfortable with that i guess in america it's different because the you know, half of american healthcare half of the world's healthcare spenders in america but when you're a european business is a bit trickier and the reimbursement streams are a bit more different so 
are the European centered companies, when you're chatting to VCs and investment companies, are they more comfortable with seeing a return of investment now in a med tech company? But I think, yeah, and definitely what's what's reassuring to them is that we don't need to wait for reimbursement to, to get our business model to fly. And I think that's, you know, that's what's making our companies and, and Gleamer specifically attractive for, from a VC perspective. Um, that, yeah, we know European market is, is fragmented. There are some uh, uh, entry barriers, but if we can easily uh, justify ROI, then pretty much any healthcare institution can can pay for for our solution and we we know that on the clinical side we have demonstrated the clinical benefits and i mean that's that's done already oh, that's awesome it's great news to hear because there was a there was a flow of investment money into r d and it's just hopefully we can all back it up so we can keep <laughs> it all payback, yes. <laughs> yeah so there are a couple of companies that we speak to and they're like the investors want some money back <laughs> so that in med tech anyway it's going to take longer because even yep. and, and we see it i mean even if um uh, we're, of course we're not relying on reimbursement and thank god yeah. uh, we we still have fairly long sales cycle but just because we're selling to hospitals and in europe mostly to public hospitals and these are you know complex sales in the sense that you need to speak with multiple stakeholders inside the institutions that uh, you need to go through various kinds of processes and um and, and yeah, I mean, and budgets are usually a yearly cycle. So if you're not yeah. aligned to that, it, it takes a little bit of time. So it's true that in, and of course you have uh, the, the regulatory clearances that, that makes that your, your entry in, in different markets, uh, you know, uh, later than, than in non med tech companies. So, but they, I mean, as long as they have that culture of med tech, they understand that. And they see that actually in, in the AI space, we have a, a customer acquisition cost that uh, that is much um, uh, much lower than what I used to to live, you know, with GE and selling uh, uh, medical equipments like CT or MRs, uh, which um, which cost actually a lot to the company just in terms of uh, cash burn in, in sales, much more than what uh, what we see here with with the models that we've built on on the commercial side. Oh, I see. So you've got like a much more streamlined process in terms of. Oh, awesome, cool. Um, the future is definitely bright for Gleamer. Um, as, as you said, and, and definitely with you helping steer the company in, in that direction, I'm sure you guys will be successful. What are the next sort of 12, 18 months um, looking like in terms of key milestones that you're looking looking to hit and, and shout about that we can all look out for? Well, I mean, I mentioned that we already uh, released a new product earlier this year. We have two other ones to announce fairly shortly. So we are, you know, really speeding up uh, our factory in, in building new AI solutions and bringing them to market. So I think that's exciting because it took us, uh, um, it, it took us a little bit more than two years to put Boneview uh, uh, in, in the market. And we do see now that we have industrialized our processes. So we are able to expand our catalog uh, fast. And that's what we'll, you know, we'll be looking at is to be able to um, to work on multiple clinical indications and subspecialties at once uh, with this uh, squad organization and, yeah. and to scale our really our, our catalog to answer more and more um, clinical uh, clinical questions. So I think that's definitely exciting. And we're uh, on the commercial side expanding very, very quickly. 
both on a direct uh, sales perspective. So we're uh, staffing people in, in Western Europe. We've just uh, started staffing people in the US, obviously. And, and we're expanding fairly fast our um, indirect channels as well, because of course we cannot you know, put feet on the ground everywhere. Yeah. But it also means that from a, a partnership management perspective, our teams are growing because we need to deal with new types of problematics and, and cultures when selling into uh, New Zealand and Australia and South America and really going uh, across uh, across borders. No, ex exciting. We'll definitely look out for the next two products uh, coming forward. But thank you very much for uh, joining me on, on the podcast, Alvain. It's, it's been awesome uh, to, to have you on and, and learn about your story and Gleamer and the difference between startup and uh, big, big corporations. And hopefully this inspired some people who are thinking about making the jump to, to make the jump, um, but also um, sort of inspired people to, to grab the opportunity if you are in a startup at the moment as well with both hands and really really go with it. Um, I know I referenced the episode with Idents uh, in this uh, in this episode. So that's on series one. So you'll be able to find that on the normal podcast route um, or on the Cypro website. Uh, but, but for now, Abanya, thank you very much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Nice talking to you. Thank you for listening to the episode of LifeSite AI, the podcast series. If you would like to go back and listen to any of series three, please do so on the best playlist for you to uh, get that from. If you would like to listen to the rest of series one and series two, please visit cyproglobal.com. Thank you.